This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. It's the old radio comedy podcast. It's episode 67 of season 2 and time for another classic comedy radio show from the golden age of radio. The Martin and Lewis show was Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis's big break into show business. They've been a huge hit on the comedy circuit, but their own radio show was the vehicle that launched their radio, TV, and movie careers, and made them household names. The show ran from April 3, 1949, to July 14, 1953, on NBC Radio, and was a comedy variety program featuring stand-up routines, music, and skits with their guests. It was voted the favorite radio comedy show in Mirror Magazine's 1952 poll. Eventually, the duo split up, and went their separate ways, not speaking to each other for over 20 years. Now sit back and relax for the April 10th, 1949 broadcast of the Martin and Lewis Show. It's the Martin and Lewis Show! The National Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed the new Martin and Lewis show. Our guest tonight, William Bendix, and featuring Flo McMichael, the Martingales, Michael Roy, Dick Stabile and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. Everybody loves somebody sometime. Everybody falls in love somehow. And Jerry Lewis. You don't have no music for classical singing? <laughs> now, Jerry. Well, it's not my fault. The orchestra can't play what I sing. Well, of course they can't play what you sing. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Who sings like this? <laughs> Well, what, what was that? Well, I know what it is. I made it up. <laughs> you made it up when? This morning I was singing in, in the shower and suddenly the water turned cold and I went, bee, 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 <laughs> and I made it up. Ah, uh, Jerry, I wish you'd stop trying to horn in on my singing. Horn in? Me? Look here, Dean Martin. I'm just as important in this team as you are. You're the one who grabs the spotlight. Always trying to be a big man and push me out. I'm getting sick of it, do you hear? Sick, 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 sick. Do you hear? And Dean? What? I think I got a fever. Okay, Joe, you got your laugh. Now, will you step back and just let me sing? Okay, Dean. What are you going to... What number is it going to be? Well, it's a romantic number, and I really ought to have a pretty girl to sing it to, you know, sort of get me in the mood. I'll be a girl if you promise to respect me. (laughs) 
satisfied till you break my heart. You're never satisfied till a teardrop starts. I try to shower you with love and kisses, but all I ever get from you is nagging, bragging, my poor heart is sagging the way you toss my heart around. Oh, crying shame. Well, I'll bet you wouldn't like it if I did the same. You're only happy tearing all my dreams apart. You won't be satisfied till you break my heart. Oh, you won't be satisfied till you break my heart. You're never satisfied. Till a teardrop starts I try to shower you with love and kisses But all I ever get from you Is nagging and bragging My poor heart is sagging The way you toss my heart around Oh, crying shame Well, I'll bet you wouldn't like it If I did the same Your own happy, tearing all my dreams apart, you won't be satisfied until you break my heart. Yes, folks, it's that new comedy team, Deep Martin and Jerry Lewis, who last week broadcast their first radio show over NBC. We find them now still somewhat dazed and awed by it all, sitting in their apartment, poring over their newspaper reviews and fan mail. Hey, Dean, did you read what it says about us in this paper? What does it say, Jerry? Well, the column said you were great in this newspaper clipping. Just listen to what this critic says about me. Jerry Lewis is one of our newer comedians, and in my opinion, he's a very funny and had a nose. Oh. <laughs> and he but he's a very playable. Wow. <laughs> well, what'd he say? He thought I was awful. <laughs> oh, Jerry, snap out of it. It's just one man's opinion. But how can he think I was so bad? I'm loaded with talent. Gee, I can tell poems like there was an old man named McGill. Who ran up and down every hill When someone inquired Don't that make you feel tired? He said, nah <laughs> and, and, and I can tell jokes On the way to the studio tonight I met a botanist Really, Jerry? A botanist? What does a botanist do? He says, I'm botan <laughs> and, and, I, and I can do imitations, too A seal <clears throat> Girl seal <clears throat> Boy and girl seal <clears throat> And I can sing, too Give me the road The wide-winding highway That's where I'll throw Hi, The beat no byway I'll travel along Jerry You know something, Dean? What? The critic was right <laughs> Look, Jerry Forget what the critic said No, Dean I- I'm-, I'm only in your way You should have a classy-looking partner Instead of me Look at me, skinny Undernourished Homely Awkward Slumped over No chest I'm a mess No, Jerry, you're not a mess Why, you're you're, you're handsome Uh, Well, you're manly Uh, You're fascinating You know, I never realized what a mess you really are (laughs) 
But, Jerry, th this is all unimportant. The important thing is right now we've got to figure out to who we can get for our guest this week. It's not so tough. We got Bob Hope last week. Well, don't forget, Bob Hope did us a big favor. He came on for free. After all, Gregory Peck and Ronald Coleman and all those big stars, they get $5,000 for a guest appearance. 5000 How much have we got to spend? Well, I got about eight bucks. I got 35 cents. Well, there's only one thing to do. Call up Bob Hope again. <laughs> Or, or maybe or maybe we can persuade some other big star to do us a favor, too. No, these big stars are hard to find, Jerry. They have private phone numbers, big walls around their houses, and they're always going out of town to get away from it all. I don't care how big they are. I can find them. I have a system. I have a system I used one time when I was trying to find Errol Flynn. Yeah, what'd you do? Well, I just said, now, if I were Errol Flynn, where would I go? And I went there. <laughs> Well, Jerry, did you find him? No, but I sure had fun. <laughs> oh, I forgot, Dean. We got a telegram this morning. Telegram? Let's see it. Listen to this, Jerry. Our problems are all solved. Here's, here's what it says. Heard your first show. Congratulations. Very anxious to be your guest star this week. Important reason. We'll explain when I see you. Signed, William Bendix. Gee, William Bendix. He's a big star. Why would he want to be on our show? It says P.S. for money, of course. What else? <laughs> I wonder what Mr. Bendix meant by saying it was important. Come on, Dean. Let's go down to NBC and we can ask him. Not so fast. Let me take a look at you first. Stand up. You wash your hands? Yes, partner. Wash your face? Yes, sir. Behind your ears? Look, I'm just going to a broadcast. I'm not going to get married. <laughs> anyway, what about you? Did you bathe? Well, of course. I take a bath every day. You take a bath every day. Well, of course. Oh, Dean, I'm so unworthy of you. <laughs> well, let's go, Jerry. Come in. Who is it? It's the maid. I wanted to ask you for a job. You want to ask us for a job? What kind of a job? Well, now that you have your radio show, I thought you might need a secretary. I've been going to secretarial school for six months, and I just graduated. But we don't need a secretary, miss. You don't need a secretary. That's fine. Here I go to school, and I buy papers and books and pencils, and I learn to be a secretary, and now you don't need a secretary. So I won't have anything to do, so I'll go out in the hall and sit down, and the manager will come up to me, and he'll say, what are you doing loafing in the hall? Now, Sam, not loafing. And he'll say, oh, talking back to the boss. Now, Sam, not talking back. And he'll say, don't raise your voice to me, and I'll say something nasty to him, and he'll fire me and all because you don't need a secretary. <laughs> It's people like you that cause unemployment. Well, maybe we can try you out for typing scripts or something. All right, okay, you're hired. Now, just a minute. Now, what's the matter? I'm not going to be rushed into anything. <laughs> I want to think it over for a while. All right, here, miss, take this page and make six copies on the typewriter. Typewriter? What's a typewriter? You're a secretary and you don't know what a typewriter is? No, but I'm willing to learn. Well, what is it? Well, listen closely. A typewriter is a thing you put on a desk, and it's black. Only sometimes it's blue. And once in a while, they're red. And you put a piece of paper in the thing up there, and on the front, it's got those little things with printing on them that you hit. Tap, 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 until a little bell rings. Bing! That's a typewriter. <laughs> Well, 
Well, miss, do you want to try out as our secretary or don't you? Well, first I have to make sure that you two are perfect gentlemen. Could you give me any references? <laughs> references? Look, lady, we're hiring you, and I want you to know that any insinuation about our character is strictly derogatory on your part because people that know well enough or know that a gentleman knows his place. Whether or not it's forbidden, maybe a man just doesn't pause long enough to know whether he feels right from wrong, but I'm sure that anyone that isn't right will continue to say so. <laughs> Come on, Jerry, let's go. We'll see you later, miss. Suppose you were Uncle Sam and you wanted everyone, for the good of himself and his country, to buy United States savings bonds. Would you appeal to a man's desire for security, to his responsibility to his children? Just how would you sell yourself savings bonds? Well, answer that and then go out and invest in United States savings bonds for whatever reason you may have for saving. Your family's security, a college education for your children, or a vacation, a trip, a home, new furniture, a daughter's trousseau. Those are all good reasons for having money put away. There's no better way to save your money than in United States savings bonds. They pay you back $4 in just 10 years for every three you invest. Buy United States savings bonds. Isn't this wonderful, Jerry? A couple of weeks ago, we came to Hollywood and we were nobodies. Remember how impressed we were with this big NBC building? Yeah. Come on, let's go in. I wonder where we can find William Bendix. Shh, Jerry. Not so loud. All the doors along this corridor lead to studios where radio programs are rehearsing. Oh, okay, Dean. I'll just peek in this first door. Maybe Mr. Bendix will be in here. Hey, Dean, what show was that? Pepper Young. William Bendix wouldn't be in there Here, let's try this next studio Hey, this is a bright one Look at all the light Please, please, there's a television show going on in here But I thought I don't care what you thought Now get out of here Now listen And take your puppet with you <laughs> Why, I ought to go back in there and hit him right in his nose Calling me a puppet I ought to Jerry, Jerry, quiet or I'll drop your strings Now, let's look in this dressing room here, Jerry. Okay, Dean. What was that noise? Well, Phil Harris is still... Phil Harris is still what? Nothing. It's Phil Harris is still. (laughs) Now, Jerry, we're not doing so good on this side of the hall. Let's try the other side. Son of a gun. Son of a gun. Son of a gun. Son of a gun. Who was that? President Truman rehearsing his next speech. (laughs) Well, it's no use, Jerry. We'll we'll never find William Bendix this way. Oh, yoo-hoo. Yoo-hoo. What's that? Hello there. Huh? Could I take a minute of your time? Hmm? You could use my head to crack walnuts. (laughs) Hey, Dean, Dean, this dame is a siren, isn't she? Wow. (laughs) 
A siren? Wow, she's the whole fire engine. (laughs) Dean Martin, you are Dean Martin, aren't you? The singer? Yes, but... uh... Hey, he's Dean Martin, the singer, and I'm Jerry Lewis, the comedian. Well, two big, handsome men. Well... Two handsome men? She must be looking at me twice. Oh, Mr. Martin, I've got a lot of wonderful new songs for you to sing on your program. I'm a song plugger. I get people to sing songs on the air. I write a lot of the songs myself. Hey, here's a terrific new number I just finished. It's called Tumbling Along Through the Tumbling Tumbleweeds by the Alamo Along the Rio Grande Where the Buffalo Roam by the Old Corral on the Texas Plains. <laughs> it's a western-type western tune. western-type tune, sure. <laughs> Well, bust my britches. Bust them? Look, Skinny, you're doing well to keep them up. Keep them up, yeah. <laughs> Look, miss, I write songs, too. Oh, you do? Sure, last year I had a big hit. It was called, I'm Head Over Heels in Love, and I Look Better That Way. <laughs> Yeah, and he's working on a new one. Uh, Malcolm, Malcolm, pass the talcum. You're the chap for me. Well, I've also got a song done in a modern Shakespearean rhythm. Yeah, well, what's it called? To be bop or not to be bop. <laughs> Sounds intriguing. How does it go? Well, I'll sing it for you. Oodly you coo coo ah ah Oodly you coo 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 ah ah Yes Are you for real? <laughs> Miss, we we really have to leave. I tell you what, if I promise to sing one of your songs on the air, will you let us go? All right. I'll be waiting. Goodbye. Uh-huh. Now Dean Martin sings far away places. <laughs> Far away places with strange sound and name. Far away over the sea. Those far away places with strange sound and name are calling, calling me. Going to China Or maybe science I want to see for myself Those far away places I've been reading about In a book that I took from the shelf I start getting restless whenever I hear the whistle of a train. I pray for the day I can get underway and look for those castles in Spain. 
Okay, but we better go quietly. The red broadcasting light is on. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, to listen again next week to The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix. Jerry, here, here he comes off stage. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Bendix, we want to see you. You said you were very anxious to be on our program. Well, yeah, I am. Come on to my dressing room and I'll tell you what's on my mind. Now, uh, before we start discussing terms, let me get you two straight. Now, uh, which is uh, which? Well, I'm Dean Martin, the singing half of the team. Oh, good. Well, I won't have to laugh at you. And, and I, I'm, I'm Jerry Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the funny half of the team. Yeah. <laughs> I tell the jokes. With a kisser like that, you got to tell jokes, too? <laughs> Wait a minute, Mr. Bendix. What's wrong with the way I look? Do you always comb your hair like that? Well, Jerry's head is a little unusual. You see, it's higher in the back than it is in the front, and, oh. and it tilts down, so the hair grows that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a load of coal sliding out of a dump truck. <laughs> hey, I didn't like that. Come on outside and say that. Yeah, why should I? Because there might be someone out there that didn't hear it. <laughs> Now, Jerry, take it easy. Really, Bill, Jerry's a swell guy. Oh, sure, sure, I know that. I, I was only kidding. I, I know he's a swell guy. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're just saying that to make me feel good. That's right. <laughs> Jerry didn't mean anything, Bill. Well, we both admire you very much. You know, we're going to make a picture. Uh, my friend Irma over at Paramount and our producer, Hal Wallace, suggested we get some acting advice from you. Well, it's hard work, fellas. You've got to give up pleasure, give up dancing and smoking and gambling and even girls. You think you can do it, Dean? Well, I'll certainly try, but what about Jerry? Well, with him, it's a little harder. We have to undo the theory of evolution. <laughs> Listen here, I'm just as far away from the apes as you guys. I just took a shortcut. <laughs> well, we'd sure be glad to have you, Bill. Yeah, and we've had some of the top men in the business as our guests. Well, look, you, you just started last week, and your guest was Bob Hope. What do you mean you had some of the top men? Bob Hope isn't two people. Have you ever tried to add live with him? <laughs> let's, uh, let's get to the point, fellas. Uh, what are you paying for guest stars, huh? Well, we have a novelty show. And since NBC wanted us to do something different in radio... Yeah? We're not paying anything. <laughs> well, that's a little too different, don't you think so? <laughs> But, Bill, remember, you, you can't take it with you. Well, I can. I'm only going as far as the bank. 
Well, after all, Bill, what's money between friends? Money is so crass and crude and common and vulgar. Yeah, so from now on, let's continue this discussion on a high intellectual plane. Intellectual, yeah. Shall we? Yeah, okay. (laughs) But when you come to money, you'll still be talking to a bum. Well, that's all right. We'll be talking about bum money. (laughs) Nothing, huh? See, the, the, the ladies and gentlemen don't seem to understand. You see, Bill Bendix said something about bum and the money. He wanted it so he'd be a bum. And Dean said bum money. It was more or less like a joke. And whenever we have money in a script, Dean always says this joke, and people laugh. They scream it's so funny, and look how they're staring at me. Well, I don't understand why you're making such a fuss about money, Bill. In your telegram, you sounded like you were anxious to be on our show. Yeah, well, I had something in mind. I'll tell you. I'll come on your program and for free on just one condition. Oh, we just got to have you, Bill. We'll do anything. Yeah, anything. Absolutely. Well, I'm starting a campaign to play handsome romantic parts on the screen. All you got to do is introduce me as a very handsome guy. See, a matinee idol. A great lover type, see? Bye. Bye. Wait a minute. Well, look, fellas, you gotta help me. In my next picture, the garbage collector murder case, Paramount wants me to play the detective who doesn't get the girl. Real rough and tumble guy with no feminine appeal. Eh? I don't know, Bill. Truthfully, I don't think anyone would believe you as a great lover on the screen. I would. You would, Jerry? Sure, but I'm only 23 years old. What do I know? <laughs> Well, look, fellas, they're going to give the romantic lead in this picture to Ray Milland if we don't do something. I'm perfect for the lover type. Let's face it. Who is it? It's me. Hey, it's the maid from our apartment. Yes, you told me to type up this page, so I thought I'd... Oh, William Bendix. Look out, catch her, somebody. She's going to faint. Stand back, stand back. What are you going to do? I want to watch her fall. This is the first time I ever swooned a dame. Gonna faint. I'm just weak from the thrill of being so close to you. Your beautiful golden hair, your gorgeous eyes, your wonderful soft voice. Bring her out of it. Slap her face. You touch that girl and I'll break your arm. <laughs> I feel weak. Everything seems hazy and blurred. It looks like a load of coal sliding down a dump Jerry, truck. get out of there! <laughs> Well, this settles it. Paramount's been telling me I'm not a great lover type. You saw what I just did to that girl. Give me that phone. Atta boy, Bill. Here. Yeah, Just give it here. Dial quick. We're running out of time. Hurry up. Hurry. <laughs> Hello, Paramount. Give me the casting director. Hello, Mr. Michael John. This is Errol Bendix talking. You know that next picture of mine, the garbage collector murder case? Well, I just called to tell you that I'm going to play the Ray Milland part. And I don't want any... What gives me the idea I can... Here's a very good reason. I just swooned a dame in cold blood. Yeah, me. No, absolutely not. I never touched the stuff. Bill, Bill, let me talk to him. Maybe I can reason with him. Yeah, go ahead. Hello, Mr. Michael John. You heard what Mr. Bendix said, and that's final. He wants to play the star in the garbage collector murder case. No, he don't want to play the detective. Really? You will? Ah... Ah, hey, ah. Okay, bye. 
What happened, Jerry? Am I going to play the romantic lead? Well, no. Ray Milan's still going to play that. Oh. Well, I'm still the detective then, huh? No, they're going to put Alan Ladd in that part. Well, then what am I going to play? You're the garbage collector. <laughs> what a revolting development this is. And, Dean, I think we're two of the luckiest guys in the whole world, don't you? Ah, uh, Jerry, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Stop talking and go to sleep, hmm? Okay, Dean, I'll stop talking. <laughs> Dean. Yeah? I know I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> but I can't help thinking of poor William Bendix driving that trash collection truck. You think it was my fault he got that part? Jerry, for the last time, I gotta get some sleep. We gotta be at the studio at 7 o'clock in the morning. Now, keep quiet. Okay, Dean. Now what? Somebody outside. Yeah, and I'm going to find out who it is. What's going on down there? What do you think's going on? I'm rehearsing. <laughs> You've just heard transcribed The Martin and Lewis Show, produced by Robert L. Redd and written by Dick McKnight, Ray Allen, Chet Castellaw, and Norman Sullivan. William Bendix appeared through the courtesy of Prell Shampoo and may be heard on his own radio program, The Life of Riley. Tune in to your NBC station each Sunday evening at this same time for The Martin and Lewis Show. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. That was the April 10th, 1949 episode of The Martin and Lewis Show with guest William Bendix. A reminder that if you're enjoying the podcast, to please take a moment and give us a five-star rating and maybe a review, too, on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate it. Tune in next time for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Hey, I didn't like that. Come on outside and say that. Yeah, why should I? Because there might be someone out there that didn't hear it. Mm-hmm.